Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, episode 200, this is, of our show. A big round number. We are here. It's actually episode like 250-something. I was going to say. We're not great at counting. Can I just say, yeah. I'm delighted to be here, you two, but it's not 200 because you do like 199.D. Yeah. I like all kinds of cockamamie caveats to your and thing. And NCR Truther over here. Yeah, with I know. Yeah. I mean, well, and I've listened to all of them, so I, I feel strongly I, that I'm, yes, my name is Mary Carrillo. I am on your show for the first time. And I'm not sure whether I should be humbled and honored or bitter that bitter. it took this long for you, for you mooks to <laughs> ask me on this show. So I'm, right now I'm, I'm fraught. It's, it's a tough situation, but carry on. Longtime listener, first time caller, Mary exactly. Carrillo, is here with us. I'm, I'm Ben delighted. Rothenberg. That's Courtney Nguyen. We are here with our episode I'm 200. I'm silence. So I'll just yeah. over here. We're very excited. We've wanted to do this. For, you've been our, atop our wish list for a long time. We just never worked up the nerve to ask you to the you big dance. You know, so weird to pull you into our stupid play. No. Playground. Here's why. Our here's, little sandbox. Here's why I'm delighted to be here. Unsanitary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just this. an absolute mess. <laughs> yes. The, I will be asking for Purell throughout this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the thing. Here's what I like about you guys and, and why I am such a fervent listener, because you are at once reverent and irreverent. And I think that's a very cool combo. I, it's something I aspire to be myself. And, and you know, I, who we, that's who we learned it from. We Is learned that, it from watching you, literally. Uh, I've, I've said this before to you, I'm sure, yeah. but like, I fell in love with tennis watching you and Pam Shriver and whoever mm. else was on ESPN back in the day just have so much fun with tennis. You got to. You guys made it so fun and oh. so irreverent. And the sport that tries to be, can be so stuffy. You guys were there, like, sitting in the back of the class cracking jokes about the whole thing. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what very we, much, that's what we try to make our ethos, We've too. We've been spoken to. I've certainly been spoken to over the years. As have I. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, you hear your, when you hear your producer at CBS say, uh, Mary, um, everybody in the truck was really laughing which means you could get fired. <laughs> like, like, like that, that's when you know you've really taken it a little too far. Yeah, that's a bad sign. If, if they're laughing in the truck, it's... But it's, they laugh because there's a modicum of truth. Well, and I think that that's a little a bit of, of what, you know, I mean, I know that Ben and I have, have said that before, and we said it in the last episode. I mean, you know, just, just trying to bring that balance of being able to just laugh about the sport because there are yes. peculiar, peculiarities and even, and and, and even just the fun th even just the and fun and things that make it the sport more than just forehands and backhands. But we were watching accessible. yesterday, we were watching yes. yesterday this, I don't know if you saw this, Alex Deminor versus <laughs> Medvedev match. I did Sydney, not see it. Sydney final. It was great. But yes. it was partially great because they kept choking. And I like, love yeah. choking. Oh, I do yeah. because it creates this situation where the, the result is never locked in stone. But you have to be able to laugh about it. And and and, like, and, I, and I say this because I, I really believe it. Hold on, there's a media announcement. Look at that. We're being thrown out of here already. <laughs> Good heavens, we've just begun. Um, I give me choking over tanking any day of the week. Oh, oh completely. 100%. Choking means that you care. Tanking means you don't care. Yeah. Give me, I'll take Just ask Jack Sock because Auckland's apparently asking for a refund on his appearance fee after his Was he that there. bad? He was, he was pretty bad and he didn't fake it well and the last game wasn't great and they were, and Auckland was, I've, I went, I understand this more after being in Auckland. I went there last year when Serena went there and they, New Zealand treats itself like a very small town. Like they really do not feel like they're on the map. They are excited to have anybody. They were thrilled to have Serena and Jack Sock for them is a top 10 player who came to New Zealand and they're really excited about and that. And they paid him 100 and they grand to show. I've heard, you got, that's what the reports that I've heard of that might have actually been twice that. Wow. Plus um, a couple Rolexes is the, is the story I heard. And I'm and a tote bag. And, and a tote bag. <laughs> and I'm, a power bank. We are all amazed that this is, all amazed that this is Jack Sock's, you know, price, but it seems like overpaying for Jack Sock with all due respect to Jack Sock. Well, he was a defending uh, champ. He was a defending champ, but still. Uh, and then he goes out there and loses meekly three and three to uh, Goyovchik. And they were unimpressed, uh, which no. is fair. And so, anyway, we'll see. Um, so, does he get invited back next year, or does he we'll not see. get invited? We'll see. Back? I think it depends on what it's, his ranking is. Probably. It's peculiar only because, it, it, in my experience, it takes quite a bit for that relationship between tournament and player to break down to a level where something like that gets leaked out. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, so yeah. that's... He also skipped sponsor visits was the other thing he apparently did on the end of his yeah, uh, time there. No-go. I mean, that's yeah. kind of your base thing that, you know, you, you go and you fulfill your minimum requirements that are in, that you're contractually obligated. He breached his contract if he didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. but right. it, just, it just, I was surprised to see the story be public just because yeah. that, that's, that doesn't really yeah. make the, I mean, you don't want to be in a position as a tournament that's yeah. seemingly going after a player and... 
vice, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's. Last year, the locals weren't thrilled with Serena because she ripped Auckland. She said the weather was bad, the wind was bad. She lost to Madison she Pringle. She had a lot of feelings. <laughs> and, uh, she yeah. She did hit 80 on four stairs. <laughs> she hit 80 something on four stairs in that match. It was. That was one wackadoodle match. It was match. one wackadoodle match for <laughs> yeah, sure. But, I mean, but they, but, but, the but, the tournament, but the tournament, nor did Tennis New Zealand or whoever, like, you know, they, they were still happy to have her, even if she did sort of. They'd invite her back. They, they would invite yeah, her because back. because she's Serena Olsen. Maybe not Madison Brangle. Uh, well, Madison Brangle was back <laughs> this year. Poked a big old Although hole Madison Brangle had the viral video of the year because of that coaching she timeout, did. you know? So, yeah. She probably can't believe how bad I am or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Right. <laughs> she doesn't know what to do. I mean, it's, just, it's great. That's outstanding. I don't even like encore coaching, but that, okay. That was worth That's it. entertainment, baby. That's exactly right. Curious, because right. curious, but I've heard, I'm guessing you've heard our NCR debate about this. You watched the next gen finals. I did. Did you like the uh, the headset? The thing? headset. Uh, what's the dirt for it? Um, telemarketer type style of coaching. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a headset. I just got sitting there in the stands, being like, "Hello, can I offer you? Can I offer you any forehand advice?" What we today? always have to wear. Yeah. What, what, what did you think that was better, worse, different? Uh, it was different to me. Again, for somebody who doesn't like encore coaching, I don't like, I, it, I don't yeah. like it in any form. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I will say that I could hear it better, but I, they talked about all kinds of nonsense, too, those guys in those headsets. So yeah. I, that, that just, to me, that doesn't make it all, it doesn't, it's not worth it to me yeah. to, to hear, you know, people talking about, you know, nonsense. Well, I, think, I think that's maybe a transition we can use. Okay. Talking about nonsense. Um, various, all sorts of things have been said about the Margaret Court Arena, mm. which we are sitting about 200 meters from here. We're in the new media building, which is by the train tracks. They're right on the perimeter of Melbourne. They sometimes feel like we're in Adelaide out here. We got pretty outcast. Jeez, but, man. Uh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But if, if, it's it closer feels, to the train now. It feels, it's a walk less. That's true. It feels, feels less removed. Um, okay. But anyway. Wear you, sensible shoes. Exactly. That's all. <laughs> you came down here. When did you come down to Perth? So I came to... Um, Perth, which is on the other side of, of the country, uh, in early December. Okay. I had, I had pitched a story to uh, one of the networks I'm, I work for is uh, HBO. They have a show called Real Sports with Brian Gumble. It's long-form stuff. It's no commercials. You can sort of go deep, nuanced, subtle, you know, layered stories. And my pitch to them, and we don't do a lot of tennis stories, frankly. We did Francis Tiapo last year because his backstory is really, you know, yeah. it's pretty good. Um, but my pitch was to them was when is a legacy safe, and it was, and, and I'm, so I've spent a couple of months on this story, and I spent a week in Perth with Margaret. She gave us an incredible amount of time. We we shot four days with her at the wow. Victory Life Center, four days, and she didn't duck a question. She knew what I was going to come in and ask her. She was very generous, very gracious. We we went to, I, I listened to her, her sermon. Uh, on one of the Sundays, she she spoke twice. She's a very good speaker. There were 800 people mm. at, in this auditorium where she does her stuff. It gets live streamed. It's in eight different countries. She has, I mean, she does an incredible amount of good at the Victory Life Center. But what she and she gives out 24 tons of food a week to 650 wow. families. She, there are homeless people who come in there. There are. Uh, addictions. There's an addiction center for people who are trying to overcome addiction. The reason that I went, and the reason that her, the, the very question is, when is a legacy safe, comes up for someone like me, is she thinks that homosexual homosexuality can be overcome. Mm -hmm. She thinks that gay marriage is wrong. I was with her on the day gay marriage passed. Oh wow! Yes. Okay. How did she take that? I asked her, "Are you grieving?" Um, and she said, "No, I'm not, because I still believe." that I am part of the silent majority in Australia. Who, got, who voted 37%. 7.8 million people voted for gay marriage. So then, no. of course, and then I also interviewed, I went from interviewing Margaret to interviewing Martina Navratilova in Miami and then Billie Jean King in New York. You can imagine, well, there, there, there's actual footage of, Mar of Martina Navratilova's head exploding, just <laughs> flying off her neck Quick side various mark. times. Can we discuss where Martina is right now? Oh, so poor Martina. So we we had so she and I we worked together at Tennis Channel. She is a great great friend of mine, and she is. We had a noon meeting, a production meeting. It's Sunday here, the day before this tournament starts, and she was stuck. And I shouldn't be laughing. What kind of a friend? What kind of a Christian am I? Um, she was. She her luggage got lost, and she was in a long line of people whose luggage was also lost. Oh dear. Yes, and I, if you know Martina, as we all do. 
I'm assuming she could be a little crabby right around now, looking for her luggage. You're not going to do an impression? God damn it, where the hell is God? Look, bitch. <laughs> I was flying first class. How can... Anyway, so that's... that's I love... Oh, that's what we came for. I, just, I, I came for I the had impression. To, I, we had to do a Martina. I had to do yeah. it. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, God. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so, but, so now Martina is listening. After, after spending all this time with Margaret, I went to both Martina and, and Billie Jean. And I knew what, how Martina would react yeah. to this. We all know. A year ago, Martina said that name should be stripped from this gorgeous 7,500-seat court. Yeah. And, and it should be named the Yvonne Gulaganer. I wasn't sure, honestly, how Billie Jean was going to react, um, but she had given it a long think. And for someone who had tried so hard to get Margaret celebrated here year, for years, yeah. saying, well, you've named this... It's Rod Sticky, Labor, sticking up for women's tennis. Yeah. yeah. Now, now Billy has it in her head that that name should come down. Yeah. It's um. So anyway, it's a it's an interesting. I think it's an interesting question, and oh, it's sure. complicated. And we've seen the reaction in the in these last couple of days from players who don't want to get. Yeah. And I, look, part of me understands it completely that it's a couple of days before the first major of the year. Players don't want to get involved in the politics and all and all that. However. Again, back in December, I said, I, I said to Martina, if you were a current player, would you play on that court? No way. Billie Jean said the same thing. And the only current player we, we could, the three of us could think of who might object to playing on that court is Andy Murray, who's not here. Yeah, he's not Because Andy's, I, I happen to love yeah. this guy, and he's my favorite feminist. He's yeah. the best feminist on our tour. <laughs> yeah. Men's or women. I, I agree with that. Yeah, and, 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 but, you know, so anyway, it, I think it's an interesting oh, for sure. question, and I had to sort of promise my executive producer that it wasn't going to be an agenda we don't do agenda pieces on real sports it's not a huge debate it was just about when is a legacy safe and 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 what's the answer and there's other examples of that and certainly american culture all these uh i mean you mentioned i think i've heard other podcasts that you're making the rounds here uh the joe paterno stuff at penn state has been a big question with that i mean even outside of sports uh confederate monuments things like that they're coming up i mean all sorts of what you know how do we celebrate or remember or commemorate past achievements that now seem to have whatever kind of cloud over them in current day. Do you day. think? Let me ask you. Do you think Pete Rose should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Does he? Should he be in Cooperstown? That's a tough one. I I can yeah. argue both sides of that. I, that's I don't. What I, mean. I, that's, I know. Yeah. No, I know. That's, that's why that's, this is interesting. Yeah. Here's a guy. I mean, clearly he's one of the greatest. Yeah. Base, yeah. I mean, uh, no doubt. But and the gambling didn't affect his play because he was betting pretty much on himself, <laughs> like to do well. He wasn't like yeah, but then he did all that lying. Yeah, yeah, you know, he got caught yeah. in a, a whole. But but see, that's the thing with Margaret Court. She's she does a hell of a lot of good, and and she and but and the interesting part. I mean, there's I think there's a lot of interesting parts to it, but she certainly hasn't done anything criminal. No. You know, she this is yeah. this is a woman who very much believes in everything she says. And, Back up on Margaret for a bit. You mentioned on one of the other podcasts that she was an idol of yours yes, growing up. What was your sort of first? Because I first knew Mark. I started following the sport in the late '90s, and my first real impression of Margaret Court was as an arena. I didn't know. I, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, really, right. I, did, I didn't. I didn't know her too much as a person. Once I started following Australian Open, I started watching U.S. Open because it was obviously in a familiar time zone. But then when I started tuning into Australian Open, the arena was there in 03. Right. Uh, what, what were your sort of earliest experiences well, or impressions? Before she was of, an of, arena. Yeah, before she, she was, was an really arena. really good tennis player. Yeah. <laughs> and no one will ever catch, I mean, winning over 60 major titles. No one plays all three disciplines yeah, anymore. Right. No one's ever going to catch that. Right. right? Yeah. Singles, doubles, mixed, 24 in singles alone. I really, I mean, I, she, I'm, I'm elderly. I'm in my dotage now, so I, <laughs> I remember watching Margaret Court play, my, my favorite player of that time, before Billie Jean changed everything for me, Maria Bueno, mm-hmm. who was this gorgeous, Brazilian, elegant, stylish, and they used to mix it up. Um, and I, you know, Margaret was just, I was a certain volleyer too, yeah. and so I love that, kind of, that kind of tennis. Everything was on grass pretty much, except the French back then anyway, so it just, she was big, she was physical. Everyone. A, a lot of the people arm. seem to think the arm is what Rosie Casale's yeah. nickname is. Yeah. People think that Martina's the one who sort of exactly so physicalizes say. sport, but Margaret was doing there's that way couple, before. There's a couple in Battle of the Sexes. There's a lot of there's a, quite a yes. few scenes of her just standing there, oh, like yeah. lifting and, pump and lifting weights and, and she being t- cut. I'll yeah. tell you. And again, we haven't. We're just starting to cut this story on Margaret for real sports. So I'm not sure how much of it this is going to get in. Mm. But Margaret talked about how when she was little, she was scrawny and th- and she said she was a tomboy and she kind of worried about that and especially when she started working out in the gym yeah. 
you know, she was, you know, she was wearing her muscles on the outside. Because there's a couple ways in which you could look at Margaret and Margaret's early career as what we'd point to now as being sort of feminist achievements. She was one of the first women who was unafraid to sort of bulk yeah. up and work out for her sport, which a lot of the women in tennis weren't doing yes. much physical exercise outside the court. And she also, on tennis a different front, mom. tennis playing mom, exactly. She was a, she, she was one of the first kid, first people to have a kid come back on tour and win, which when Kleisters did it 40 years later, it was treated as this great feminist achievement. But uh, Margaret, Margaret won Wimbledon and, yeah, as a mom And, and Gulagong did it too, but Margaret did that earlier than either of them, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was good. I mean, she was flat out good. She was, no, no, she that, was very good. I've read and, and watched and old footage and all that sort of stuff and trying yeah. to like put yourself there in that time and what yeah. you know what was like then. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the movie, yes. and this is probably a lot of people's sort of first encounter with early Margaret is in the movie. How do you how do you as someone who was around tour after a little bit after the '73 when the movie takes place, what do you think about how the movie portrayed her and sort of how it portrayed the landscape of the dynamic between the players back then? Well, I mean, the movie is not a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it collapses about three years into a couple of months. Right. It makes Jack Kramer an incredible villain when there are a couple of other guys who were, you know, making things he hard. He was the proxy. He was, yeah, he yeah. was the official bad guy, yeah. whatever. Um, Margaret, I, it's funny because I asked, you know, I, Margaret has not seen the movie. I asked mm. her. <laughs> she has no, I don't think she intends to see that movie. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't know how she was portrayed in it. Um, and, yeah. But I asked, uh, I did, for one of the pre previews yeah, uh, at the LA. U.S. Open, I said, to, uh, yeah, or, or in, in New York, York yeah. right before the York, Open, yeah. I did a Q&A with Billy afterwards, and I said, so that, the depiction yeah. in the movie of you and Margaret, I mean, was it fraught? Was it, you know, what, what was your relationship like? And she said, I always thought we got along great until I read her book. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <Until> I, um, <laughs> so, I, you know, uh, I've read a bunch of Margaret's books. She's got a lot of them out. Yes. And um, one just last year, I believe. She's 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 Terrific. got one called The Brain Game, and what she claims, and this is again, Martina reacts in a big way to this, as frankly I did too, in interviewing her. She's got a book. She what she says about you can overcome addictions, you can overcome homosexuality, and of course Martina, you can imagine. Mm -hmm. You don't overcome. What? There's nothing to overcome. Um, I, I, I hope Martina doesn't listen. I, Martina, I, I assure I, you, does not listen to the other chapters of your book. She really feels that way. Yeah. She feels that the brain controls everything, that people aren't born gay. Yeah. And I'm there like, so wait, people are born straight? Is How, how does this yeah. work here? You know. Um, she said that you can overcome everything with your brain. Yeah. If you... If you're gay and you want to be straight, you can do that. She believes in conversion therapy. And I said, well, you can control the brain. I said, what about the heart? Where does that fit in? You know. And there's a moment um, in the interview with Martina where I point to her wedding ring. You know, And, and I just say to her, like, that means a lot to you, doesn't it? And she got kind of jammed up. And she's, her big, the big thing with Margaret Court is that, I, that I came away with more than it, she feels like she's protecting the children yeah. of the present and the future that we're growing up in a, that they, the dangers that they're gonna grow up in a fatherless society, in a genderless nation, you know, she just, she truly believes that stuff. And, you know, for, for a lot of us, that just doesn't really cut it. You, you talked about all the good she's doing with her food bank and feeding people and treating addiction. Why, with all that stuff, why is this, this is the gay, the homosexuality issue so important for her to keep harping on when it's brought her from the outside, it seems like nothing but trouble. But I mean, there, there's so there's so much there's so many other dis, un, dis, un whatever the undebatable yes. branches of her ministry. Why would she just not focus on those and sort of stay quiet? Why does she? Why does she keep harping on this one? It's, I guess it's a big deal to her. It really is. She talks about family more than anything. She's trying to protect it. She and and when when you have Martina saying she's creating an incredible amount of bullying. You know, mm -hmm. um, Margaret countered back to me and said, I'm the one being bullied. I'm just preaching my truth. And Margaret truly feels that there is sort of this gay industry coming from wealthy gay Americans. Yeah. And they are helping Australian, the homosexual movement in, in, our, in this country to gain all kinds of traction. So of course, you know me, I'm colossally disgusting. I said to Martina, so are you one of those wealthy gay Americans that's funding this whole... God damn it! 
the gay, gay pentaverant. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. According to Martina, she did, uh, a lot of that's that's what I'm saying. Some of the stuff is, frankly, to make this balanced because I want it to be balanced. And again, Margaret gave us an an, an incredible amount of time, and she didn't duck any. So I'm trying to get it right, but there some of the stuff she says, I I almost feel like it's exploitative mm. if we use everything mm. she said. Mm. I, and I don't want that. It's not It's not that kind of show. If this were hard copy or <laughs> the yeah. New York Post, I mean, it would be on the front page. And we don't want to do that to her. And she doesn't, again, I honestly think that, I'm not saying she's misunderstood. She makes herself very understood. Yeah. But this is how, look, she said a lot of stuff. My sainted 87-year-old Irish Catholic mother believes in. She does, and let me tell you something. This move, this church of hers was full of music and lights and joyous a lot of people I, I don't think she's wrong when she says that a lot of people agree with her yeah. but the fact that she criticizes women tennis players she goes yeah, after her like, own sport like you know when yeah. she when cannibalization she, and, went, and yeah. again I got there there were funny parts to my interview with Martina because I said to her so those lesbian parties those recruitment parties yeah why wasn't I invited? <laughs> Where, what was, no, I were no part. Like, and, and, you know, when Martina was, you know, ranked number one in the world and, and, and Mar Margaret said you're not a, she's not a good role model yeah. because she's homosexual. The, the, the Casey Delacqua stuff that came up last year, she, did, she believes that a, a real family, a, a, a true family needs a father. And, and Casey obviously is, is with a woman. They have two small children. Yeah. Like, you're going after your own sport? And the Casey, the Casey one... I got was, an issue with that. Yeah, the, sure. the Casey moment was where I think a lot of people within the sport... I mean, she'd obviously talked about these things before. In 2012, there was a flare-up, too, and there was a whole rainbow flags over Margaret Court Arena Facebook group. Yeah. And, Laura, and Laura Robson wore her rainbow-colored scrunchie on Margaret Court. Right. It's sort of the only visible acknowledgement of that from the players that we've really had anywhere. Yep. Um, and random but, story about yeah. that, because I still remember this, because she did that. It took all the British reporters a bit uh, back, and so they would put her in interview room three, uh, or two or three in the old press center, and everybody was crammed in there. It was standing room only. People were like, had their heads in, poked in. Classic and, Laura Robson press conference. They were all that way, true. by the way. I, I, you never put that kid in interview room two. Just <laughs> no. put her in interview room one. Give her room. Yeah, just give, give her room. room. <laughs> um, but I remember walking out of it and overhearing and behind me a British accent uh, say, does this mean she's a lesbian? Oh, and I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. and that was 2012. So, it, exactly. you know, this is kind of, this uh, on both sides yeah. of, or on all sides, I think, of, of the sport, there is still a lot yeah. of just insular, um, traditional, not backwards thinking on it. And, and even, now. even now, even I now, think. Even yeah, now. no, I so. and I think I think that's why the, the KC thing broke through because what we, which we hadn't seen when she first wrote that story. I don't think many people it got much traction, but when Casey tweeted out a photo of the story that Margaret had written an editorial oh, yeah. letter and letter to the editor yeah, to the so whatever Perth newspaper, I think, saying it's such a disgrace that this newborn kid and I mean, just like using the event of a child being born to write a screed against a, a, a fellow tennis player and one of the most well-liked yeah. tennis players there is Casey that was I talked to almost every Australian about the issue during the French they Open write or die to and they are exactly they have as I, I said before the show but John Millman had my favorite phrase he said oh I've got all the time in the world for Casey <laughs> and just like they just like the way they yes. back her and they just they love her and so when she was crossed Yes. They, they stuck up. They stuck up for her, and so and a lot and of. Then the, didn't and didn't she write? Didn't she tweet? Enough is enough. Is yeah. How much she wrote? That, she tweeted that out with the cap with the photo of the. Uh, and then people reacted. And, and yeah. Sam Stoser got back on Twitter for the first time in a while and reacted to it. A lot of other male and female players sort of faved it, or whatever. So. Ashes thrown down. Nick Kyrgios actually. Yep. Yeah. Um, has been has been as vocal as as many. Anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, which is not very much, but still as vocal yeah. as anybody. So it's it's interesting to see that that sort of takes it off. And yeah, that's again why what compels Margaret to write a letter to the editor about Casey's baby. It's, 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 a, it's a different question to me than having opinions. Because people say, oh, it's okay to be against, or, you know, have different beliefs and think a certain thing. But she's being aggressive and attacking with it in a way that I think but is you, dis but, that I distinguish from just holding a different view. But I, will, I think I she is trying to weaponize it a little bit. Yes. I, what, what were you going to no, say? No, I mean, I just think that, and obviously this is 100% not justifying anything, and, and, and I completely 1,000% disagree, but I can understand from her perspective 
if she thinks she's protecting kids. She does. And at the end of the day, I mean, you see it in the States with respect to pro-life, pro-choice, the debate. Pro-lifers are pro-lifers, and they are just, that is their one issue. And you can convince them 20,000 times over that a politician or whoever is an absolute piece of trash. But so long as they believe that this is a matter of life and death of human beings, of human babies, because Mm. that's just what they believe, and even if science contradicts it and whatever, but if that's what they believe, then the actions that they take after that absolutely kind of make sense. It's their right? litmus test. It's their one right. litmus it's test. Like, yeah. I think you're trying to explain why Donald Trump has... has I didn't say it. Oh, I did. Oh, was that me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that might have been me. <laughs> now we're all doing Martina image. I do not sound like that bitch. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. She really doesn't. I totally... I have, my imitations are just ridiculous. My Nick Boletari... I do a Your Boletari is amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you, Courtney, dear. Thank you. I am. Uh, I. I. Uh, I do in a good orange. Uh, like Monica Sellis. I, I listened to your last podcast where he made up a word. Uh, of Slovenianization. De-Slovenializer, whatever. The re-Sloveniation, or something like that. Monica oh, Sellis. Monica Sellis was pretty good at that too. Good. She. She would make. You know. Well, I mean, physically, wisely speaking, like it was a very good man. I mean, uh, you know. The other opponent was very good. She never knew who the hell she had just been. She had just thrown someone down a flight of stairs in nine minutes. And, well, you know, how is that, that match lasted, you know. I, oh, no, but the other opponent was very, very good. I mean, opponently, wisely speaking, it was a very tough match. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Bless. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. So, uh, so, I'm sorry, did I throw us off? No, no I th- off the the last, couple, last couple steps to this. Right. So there's a lot of talk about it at the, at the French Open. Players using decently stronger language. Milos Ronic said he think he thought that Margaret should apologize. And if she that's didn't, not gonna happen. and if she didn't, I, I agree. But if, and, if, and if it didn't, if she didn't, then some action should be taken. Other players were more direct, saying they should pull the name off. A couple supported that, at least. Richelle Hovenkamp said she'd be uncomfortable playing there. She's one of the few. There's a handful, more and more. And there's it's more sort of op- openly think. gay. And yeah, it's an interesting sort of that kind of, it's, it's sort of, the, cur- the current bar is, I think, Instagram photo with the girlfriend with heart emojis. Right. It's currently the coming out status. Well, I talked, to, I talked to Casey this morning. I saw her out here this morning, and I, I've always been a big fan of hers. And I told her what my experience had been with Margaret, and she, she can't, I, first of all, I have to send her a link as soon as it comes out. I <laughs> promised her that I would do that. But I said to her, well, they wouldn't put you out there. She's playing doubles and mix here. And she said, you know what? I'd like to play on that court. I'd like to. Here's Casey Delacqua, who's been, you know, in the crosshairs. De facto leader, yeah. And and here she says, I want to I want to play on that court with my parents and my family and my friends and and which I think is the says kids, it all. That kid, why does why does Case get it? You know, why does? Here's what, here's, more than anything. I don't know how you can be so sure of of mm-hmm. things. Like more than, like that's why I love the late great Carl Sagan when he talked about the cosmos, the galaxies, the universe, and his whole thing was, it's all about if you, like, if you believe in whatever you believe in, the more you learn, the better our telescopes get, the be- like, the more humbled you should be, the more questioning you should, like, 100%, you, like, 100%. Like, so yeah. I, uh, you know. I, Curiosity is a virtue. I mean, yeah, yeah, but to be, but, if to be so sure of yourself, I, I can't even imagine feeling that way. To I, be so sure of yourself and also then because of that assuredness, yes. take it out on everyone else. That right. is kind of a shocking thing. It's like if you're so sure, okay, but yes. you're sure. But, right. but to like impose that on, uh, that's, 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 that's fundamentalism. That's what fundamentalism yeah, that's is. It, it really is. And I would, I would just encourage anybody who, who isn't aware of Carl Sagan, your audience is a lot younger than... They're smart, though. They're smart. smart they just look, just watch. It only goes a little, like three and a half minutes, he does something called the pale blue dot, which how he, how he described planet Earth after Voyager 1 took all these magnificent photos of it. Um, it just, to me, <laughs> it's judging that way and being so... Sure. I, I've never felt that way. Yeah. You know? So, anyway. so, so here, in terms of uncertainty, you, you mentioned Billie Jean King, who, who, yes. who you said, um, another, or another one of the shows you were on, you could see her sort of thinking when she's on there. You throw her a question and you can yes. tell her processing it. And she has That's been, what we and, love about and it. And she has been back and forth and sort of initially, in, I remember in 2012, she came out relatively strong in, in support of Margaret after the first sort of wave of, the more that last wave of anti-gay comments saying she was a great champion, we wanted her to have the bigger stadium, it's not fair that Rod Laver has a bigger stadium than her because she was a better player than Rod Laver and she won yes. 24 slams and she's a great 
champion and everything, and she sort of slowly drifted, and she arrived to the Australian Open with a pretty Fully set loaded. verdict Fully that this tournament did Which not see coming. Which she first articulated yeah. back in July. No, June. At the Battle of the Sexes um, thing that you and I were at mm -hmm. in London. Yes. Uh, that Christiane Amanpour did the Q&A afterwards, your yes. girl. And, um, and she asked her directly, I think, about that. And that's when Margaret kind of, or when Billy first kind of brought up the whole, like, you know, when she came, went after the transgender kids, that was too far. Yeah, that was, that was. And, and I was like, oh, okay. That was the first time I'd heard her right. come strongly out against that. Yeah. Not about the arena, yeah. but about uh, just broadly kind of how, yeah. where things had turned in her head a little but bit. But they, they invited her down here to present the trophy and they gave her- I'm sorry, I missed that press oh conference. Oh my gosh, this press conference was outstanding. <laughs> they gave her, they, they, they invited her down. They, uh, first of all, I was amazed they were doing a press conference with her anyway, just because of the Margaret Court thing and just why are you sort of, it was a sort of keeping your enemies closer type strategy, it seemed like from the PR department of the Australian Open in terms of knowing who might object and trying to mollify yes. Billy a bit and get her blessing. Everything's right. going to be okay. So they uh, they unveil, they first they name Billie Jean King, no, no, first they unveil their hashtag campaign for the year, hashtag open for all, right. with number four, because they're very cool. And they, uh, and, and, they and they say like, we're, everything's going to be open to everybody. You know, we have this great, a lot of female leadership conferences, it's going to be great. We have this open for all campaign. And it, there's a series of rainbow colored sneakers, which walk in a graphic. And then it's a big rainbow tinted AO logo flashes on the oh. screen. This and is then a production. it's a big production and a big rainbow. We, we found a rainbow production. And then it's, and then <laughs> they switch to naming, <laughs> then they switch to naming Billie Jean King, Australian Open Woman of the Year, which okay. I thought is an invented title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know who was the 2017 Australian Open Woman of the Year. I'm not sure. I'm not or really 16 or, or 15. Yeah, to see if, but hey. But, you know, maybe she never... It's the 50th anniversary of her title. They invited her down. They flew her down here. I hope she got first class. And her whole team, Alana's here. Yep. Her PR guy, Tip, is here. Um, they put her up in some, I'm sure, nice Melbourne hotel. And then she says, oh, thank you. And she talks about how Australians helped her tennis. First question she gets, shockingly, is about Margaret Court Arena. And she sort of, and she says, well, you know, I like Margaret a lot. I petition for the name. And then she pauses, and you can just see the faces of Craig Tiley, who's sitting right next to her, oh. and the PR woman, Prue Ryan, who's on the side of the stage, just sort of go blank and stony. And as she, as she said what everyone, I'm sure, has read her comments by now, saying that she thinks it should be changed, and a sort of red line was crossed with her transgender children comments, and then followed up more briefly that if she was a player, she would refuse to play there. Yeah. And that sort of reset and rekindled Yes. This, this debate for the tournament. It teed it up for the next day for the players. And I have symp some sympathy for the players in terms of the ball being in their court. And I yes. think they're in an uncomfortable position having to sort of either come out against Margaret Court, which is disruptive to the tournament, or and refuse to play there before their first Grand Slam. I, I think it's a rough situation for the tournament to have left players in. I blame the tournament for that. I by still having this name on this arena. Um, well, go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, I think that with this was a conversation that I've been having with a few of like the like Martina and Chrissy and a few of the the other legends that have kind of you know just kind of picking their brain about different things and about the concept of the slams elevated status over the course of the last 10 20 years mm -hmm. and how you know Martina when I spoke to her in Singapore was like I got paid more money if I won a WTA yeah, tournament than I won if I won the US Open yeah that's how it was for me back then if you're talking about and money talks right if you're talking about asking this question, um, you know, 20 years ago, maybe it's a little easier to protest against a, a tournament, regardless of its, its prestige, when it's not hitting your, your, your pocket as hard. Yeah. I, I do wonder, and it's a question, I don't know one way or the other, if it is harder now to, to go after a tournament that's given you 60 grand Plus a travel stipend, up. yeah. Uh, and, and, and for a lot of these players, I don't, I mean, and, and to be fair, I think that there are a lot of players who would have much stronger statements. They just don't have the platform to, to, to articulate them on media day. And they also, um, and I, I talked to a couple of lower ranked players who said, if I, I would like to say something, but if I said something being ranked outside top no 50, cares, no one gives a crap. No one gives a crap. And they'd also say I was just being attention seeking right. or something. And they don't, you feel like you have to earn your microphone in some ways, which I don't entirely necessarily I, I can I can understand I can put myself in those shoes and but again understand it's like asking for blowback and knowing that the blowback is coming and also knowing that you're on the eve of the first major of the well, year that's just, you know, the timing of like, it is rough on the players I yeah. agree with that but yeah. I do wish the WTA would make a big bold statement I don't care what they say but I think they should just to take some of the pressure off mm -hmm. you know? I think Billy I mean the, the thing that only surprised me a little bit yesterday is I think that what Billy said did provide cover for a lot of a lot yeah. of people to kind of just be like I agree with Billy yeah. Well, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, this exactly. Is I, but <laughs> if you really agree with Billy, you wouldn't play on that court. 
Yeah. And that's not, it's just not going to, look, I didn't expect that would happen. And, and again, my Billie Jean, Martina, these are servant volunteers. <laughs> we have so few of them these days. I mean, I happen to like, I like people who serve in Bali on a tennis court, who serve in Bali in, in a broadcast booth, who serve in Bali in life. Exactly right. And, and that just doesn't happen as much as so many people agree with every single thing Billie Jean said. Who's on her way? Gavrilova. Oh, Gavrilova. Not Martina. No. God damn it. She's still at the airport. <laughs> Um, but, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. No, you know I, get, saying? I get that. But do you, and, 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 if, and if so many of them agree with Martina and Billy, and so few of them are willing to, that to makes say me, it, that makes me. I, mean, I, I am right now. I'll say hugely sort of disappointed in this generation of tennis players okay. for their reaction to this. I just think it's a missed opportunity, and I think that in 2018, you've seen so many athletes get rewarded for being socially, you know aware, outspoken in people certain in certain markets, in certain, in certain markets, markets. <laughs> in certain markets, for sure. But those markets, you include, can't injure your brand. But, but, Don't you understand but, about but the brand? The sort of, the sort of, <laughs> the sort of cynically, though, to push back on that a little bit, like Gus Kenworthy is this, you know, Gus Kenworthy is out, this out snowboarder, snowboarder who's going to be in Pyeongchang. Oh, yes. okay. I think, he, I don't know if he's qualified yet, but he's a, he came out after Sochi and got all his attention for being the first out freestyle snowboarder because that was a category that hadn't yet been checked. And... <laughs> And he, and he got all of these endorsements. He's yes. showing up with, like a, I'm sure, like a visa contract with some other things. And cynically, he's cashed in on this. Right. Nicole he's out and about. Out and about. And, and he's a commodity because brands want to link themselves to Gus Camerthy and show how inclusive they're being. Visa's like, hey, we got the gay snowboarder. Come on by and open an account, gay people. And that's, that's a corporate thinking that works. I mean, yes. Nicole Gibbs, who's one of the more outspoken people on tour, and one of the very few, one of the clearest liberal American voices, or sort of traditional what we think of as liberal in the U.S., she has been outspoken about that, and in reward for that, has gotten a pretty devoted following online, yes. has gotten New Yorker profiles written about her. I wrote about it in the New York more Times. More sponsors than more somebody sponsors. who's in her age yeah, range would have. Compare her to a player, another player in her, better players in her in America, like a Lauren Davis, or maybe a Shelby Rogers, or Allison Risk. And those players don't have the profile that Gibbsy has because okay. Gibbsy has taken the microphone. I just think I, I understand the reservations, but I also think that if you're your authentic self, people will see that and want to be with that. And yeah. you wonder, and you wonder how much of that is the message that has to go to agents yeah, as opposed exactly. to the players, because I think that that is the other that, that there's that layer of it as well. I mean, you're talking about agents who are more, a little bit more traditional, a little bit obviously more conservative, yeah. a little bit more concerned about like their pocketbook and risk you know, averse, risk averse, yeah. incredibly risk averse, and. And I will always argue that, that, that you know, any time that those decisions get made, um, whether or not they're in this context of speaking out and, and becoming, you know, someone who has a platform and that sponsors want to attach themselves to, or even something even more basic of just, like, go get better contracts in order to elevate the status of these players yes. internationally to therefore make tennis a bigger sport. You hurt at that line, that agency line, there's a, there's a great chance that you hurt the sport yeah. by being risk averse by being maybe a little bit too conservative in your thinking and, and a little bit too conservative and at times lazy about how you go about managing these yeah, careers because you yeah. don't you don't shoot for the moon yep. you're perfectly happy with your little you know fiefdom uh, and, and having them be big in their tiny country without being an international star because oh gosh that might actually require you to pick up phones and answer emails and you know manage you know um, but uh, but yeah I mean I think that, that that's a big one too and, and, and convincing that level of the sport um, which has a lot of impact on how yeah. the, the and things Gipsy's are shaped. Gipsy's talked about even pushback yeah. she's gotten from her agents, even as she's pretty, pretty clearly established her quote-unquote brand as being this certain thing that's caught on. There's still traditionalists in there who worry that what, you know, her sponsor, New Balance, or whatever her other racket sponsor might be, yep. you know, saying what are they going to think when you say something bad about the President of the United States. Right. Like that's, that's something that's not the traditional playbook, and so it can startle people or just make them uncomfortable. I just go back to Billie Jean. I can't, I'm always going to drift back to her. She's impacted me more than any other single person beyond my parents. And, and if she had said all these, what all these players are saying here, you know, it's not my decision. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. not my, imagine if Billie Jean said that back in, back in the, the late 60s, early 70s. Oh, yeah. oh, this is the, the amount of my check? 
It's a twelfth yeah. of what of what you're giving the guys. Well, it's not mine. It's not, yeah. I don't. It, it, I don't write I don't, the I don't, checks. I don't. I don't. I don't make the decisions. I don't yeah, make the no. decisions. And, the bill, and, and I think that. I think that. Right? And that's what Craig. And that's what Craig Tiley really underestimated. I think in this press conference that he sort of thought he could latch onto the positive sides of Billy's. It reminded me of a quote, morbidly, that someone said about, um, someone said after Muhammad Ali died. And someone said, when Muhammad Ali became a beloved sort of pop culture figure of outspokenness and activism was after he lost the ability to speak. Wow. Because he was no longer someone who could do you harm. And he was just someone you could commoditize and do that. And I thought, and I, it feels you like tenants, him into what you whatever symbol you wanted him to be, yeah. and latch onto whatever part of it you wanted, he could no longer change course or throw you any curveballs. Yes. And Billy still had a few curveballs left in her back pocket. She's still serving in volume. Yeah, she's still serving she's in volume. She's still got some balls in the pocket, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's my girl. Yeah. So I guess, uh, speaking of, I guess, last question on Billy or any of this, what, what has been Billy's, seeing Billy get celebrated with all the ballot sexy stuff, what is this sort of, what have you thought of this moment she's having here? Because she's she's really had a, a moment the last six months or so. It's, it's gotten a lot of attention and I know. a lot of. Uh, it's been nice to see again morbidly that she's been that this is all happening within her lifetime. That she's getting sort of this biopic, which is very flattering to her, yes. I think, and everything. Having she can enjoy it and she can sort of reap these praises while they're while she's here. Look, I, she's my girl. She's uh, she's my idol, my mentor. She's been great to me since I was a kid. Um, and that she has, I, I love the I love watching her at the Golden Globes with yeah. Emma Stone. I love I, she can't believe that people are so excited to meet her, because she's so adorable when she meets yeah. famous. Like she you just all. see it in her face. And yeah. she, wow! So you know me, you want to meet me? You want to like? I'm thinking Billy, yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> of course they want to meet. What are you yeah. talking? Like, um, I I got to speak with the cast, a couple of the cast members from that movie, and they just you know. I mean, Emma Stone is genuinely in awe of this woman, someone that she, she didn't grow up knowing about or caring about, and, and now she understands why Billy is so important. So I have, I love that Billy continues to, I think it's important for a lot of, well, anybody, but especially someone like Billie Jean, she wants to stay relevant. You know, she wants to be, to stay out there. She wants to, and she understood from the time she was a little girl that the way you have a voice is to be number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, all this time later, Billy is still out there, swinging and caring, and caring, and and that to me is. And it's the opposite end of your opening question of when is a legacy safe? Like Billy, it's, Billy still cares about her legacy yes, she and does. her impact, and she's still very much curating it and attending to it. That's that's very carefully, like any sort of good gardener would. But she's still not afraid to no. come to net. Exactly. No, yeah. that's pretty good. Let most of us slow down after a while. She'll take she'll oh. take the random headshot. Yeah, that's exa- that's <laughs> she'll exa- go for you. Yeah, oh yeah. I heard. I heard. Apparently, as she was walking off the stage with Craig Tiley, who again was having a rough afternoon, he, she apparently said, "I'm sorry. I, I had to be honest." That's my girl. Yeah, that's 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 my Billy. That's yeah. why I love her. So it's, we're now here to pivot a little bit. Unless I think we wrapped okay. that up nicely. We're at okay. the Australian Open. Yep. You uh, you've, last tournament, last year's tournament here was outstanding. It's my favorite ever Grand Slam of yeah. any of them I ever played. Well, maybe not played in, but covered. Yeah. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> Playing my first Wimbledon was a big, big deal to me. <laughs> um, but um, I just thought it was an ama- um, just one amazing storyline after another. It just kept going, and it was, so I'm very happy to be back here. And what? and like you know, I asked our graphics department to build for us for day one. We start tomorrow um, at Tennis Channel. Just give me the top, give me the top five seeds coming into the Australian Open last year, and where their ranking is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And give me the top five seeds of the women, and, and then some other interesting. Wojniacki was in the twenties, and now she's a second seed. And yeah. Like, a, like just to show what kind of a season 2017 was, and and what's going to happen this year. I'm sorry, sorry Serena's not here. Obviously, I'm sorry my my Andy Murray's not. Can't post Vavrinka. I can't still can't tell if he's gonna play a full match here or not. The way I'm he's confused talking. why he's playing. I I because I mean he could he pulled as he said in pre- he acknowledged this like yes I pulled out of tiebreak tens I couldn't play ten points but I plan on playing best of five on Monday. <laughs> that, that what doesn't, the hell? But he's yeah. but his his defense of that was saying well from in tiebreak tens you have to be intense from the first point and best of five you have some more time to figure things out. I, I, I'm uh, three. No, I don't know about that. Yeah, let's get into that. But but can, but can I so and I still don't know how how fit Novak. Djokovic yeah. is, but hold on, there's a media announcement. Alex <gasps> our guy, our guy. This boy. podcast has just ended. <laughs> I do love Alex. 
Uh, I'm very, yeah, he's, um, he's our new guy. Yeah, 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 he's got it going. So the only reason I'm taking Djokovic seriously is I flew on the same plane as Andre Agassi. Okay. We, we got in here yesterday, Saturday, um, and that Andre's here because he'd had that snowboarding accident. Mm. It sounded like maybe that Andre's showing up. Media announcement, Thomas Burditch is on his way to interview. Everyone's coming. They're playing each other first round, They're, Burditch and Dimitri. Oh, well, there you go. A little pre-match show up. But can I that. tell you, so we're waiting for our luggage. Ours came, by the yeah. way. So stick it to Martina. <laughs> Um, ours came, and, and Andre's was like the first one off, as of course, it should be. Naturally. But he hung around because Steffi, his, his sainted wife, was texting him because their son, Jaden, was pitching oh. that day in a, in a tournament. So, and Andre is like, he's explaining to me his kid's 90 mile an hour fastball, and he's wow. breaking down. He's a total baseball geek. And Steffi, who had originally, when she first started watching baseball, thought, what the hell? What? <laughs> what the hell is this? Steffi like knows what she's looking at now. Oh, she's totally answered. So anyway, I love that. Yeah, I know. So Richard Evans and I, the famous British writer, mm-hmm. we are we are still waiting on our luggage. Andre left. He came back a couple of minutes later. This is talk about a, a man with passion to help out Djokovic without getting paid. And he came back a couple of minutes later for an update on his son's. Oh. His son had just hit a triple. Oh, like, tremendous. He came back to find us. His house. I just have to show you this. That's amazing. <laughs> That's wonderful. I mean, come on. We, we love people like that. Yeah, yeah. we love. Cool. And so I, anyway, so I'm the, on the strength of that, I'm thinking Djokovic is fit. Yeah, I would hope <laughs> to so. To make that trip, knowing Although that there's Jaden Agassi, I'm a little more impressed right now with his form. <laughs> his arm might when be it, okay. His, arm, his elbow is his really good. real good. If Djokovic was a That's baseball player, he hit, he, he hit a lot of triples, though. Fast he, guy. Oh, yeah. Get hit uh, in the corner, run it out. Yeah, he'd be a good yeah. leadoff hitter, Djokovic. It's going to be a good Australian Open. I really, yeah. I'm feeling good about this. What? You've How many Australian Opens, roughly? When's the first time you came down here? I never played it because it was around Christmas yeah, back, back when I December, was yeah. when dinosaurs ruled the earth. Um, <laughs> and so I never made the trip down as a player. But I went to I was covering it. I started covering it when it was in Kuyang on grass. I watched Vilander win it. I think that that year. Um, so I've, um, I've I don't know maybe 15 of them, 20 maybe more. What basic question or hopefully not? But what keeps you coming back here? What what makes I mean you do all sorts of stuff. Now you're doing your award-winning journalist HBO stuff. Here you do, go, you do, you, 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 oh, I'm stuttering now, but you do <laughs> Olympics, you do dog shows, you Can do the kitten ball. Yes, I do, baby. <laughs> my niece, yes. so I was watching, um, I was watching the, the national, dog, the show. national dog show over the holidays and with my niece, who's about, who's three, four now, and there's a one shot of Carrillo <laughs> surrounded by corgis. <laughs> And uh, and I, I told her when you know when I, I was like oh yeah like auntie auntie knows her she's like oh okay but she saw that and literally like Mary Carlo is the coolest person that she now thinks she knows yeah exactly she's That's like a, yeah okay like she so I just because actually, of that corgi shot I can I this is how delirious my schedule is. so I'm going to this I'm going from this tournament to South Korea yeah and I'm staying right through to the end of wow. that thing closing ceremony I go from. Winter Olympics to the Beverly Hills Dog Show. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And then from there to Indian Wells. Wow. I have packed. You're not going home in between that. No, wow. I get home. I get home oh. mid March. Yikes. So and, and I've got. I've got. I wanted to go to St. Pete. Okay. And, and I've got winter. I've got winter wear. I've got like these military oh, wow. grade, you know, boots for South Korea. And I'm also here in the Australian summer. I mean, it's. You tra- I'm, I'm built to take it. I you can, travel a that's lot. That's what I'm, Courtney, I do. Courtney also travels a lot, but we've been debating. She has this crazy idea Tell me. that she, after the Australian Open, wants to go straight to, to St. Petersburg, Russia for a, good call. a WTA premier tournament. A good call. It's not a good she field. Pa- I've never she been to packed, Russia. She has packed nothing for February in Russia. Okay, that might be it. That's an error. <laughs> she I, spent I'll how many some of my careers? I can you, find you, a North Face store spent, here, right? You spent maybe, what, like seven weeks at home last year? You're throwing in a wild card week in Russia, that's, which is literally that's the opposite. Sin. That's quite an audible. That for, really for an is. indoor tournament. We're, we'll see if the visa situation gets sorted out. Oh, yes, God. The, as everyone knows, the Russia-U.S. a little tense these days. Yeah. Or not. I don't know. Maybe they're besties, and it goes right through. Uh, we'll see. We'll this see. is a good litmus test. Wow. But I guess, but I guess what, with all these different things you have, with all the different hats you wear, what keeps you... What keeps tennis is your sort of home. Uh, your current hat is Juilliard Athletics, undefeated since 1905. That's, That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, it's an outset. My son, who attends Juilliard, my son's an actor, and he's a very good actor. I'm, I'm, Anthony Bowden is his name. I think he's going to do some nice work in the coming years. He, he goes to Juilliard. 
and he gave me this hat for Christmas. <laughs> That's tremendous. What, what did I say? Yeah, undefeated Julie. since 1905. Juilliard Athletics. Very nice. Juilliard does not have an athletics program. <laughs> no. That's well, the joke. If you're going to quibble, <laughs> if, let's, you know, let's yeah. not do that. Yes. But, um, but, what, but what makes tennis your keeping it as your home? I love tennis. I, I, I'm crazy about it. I, I absolutely adore I, I adore my sport. I, I love it. I love the athletic heart. I love how it beats. I will always, oh, I love, the, I, I'm going to the Olympics watching a bunch of people do crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. And I, the fact that they are that committed, some of them should be committed, but that's a different <laughs> story for another time. Um, next on next year's <laughs> <Real> Sports. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love athletes. And people say, how can you hang around dumb jocks? I don't think they're dumb. I think they're, Remarkable. Uh, many, many, many of them are are remarkable. Again, Andre Agassi at the airport, mm -hmm. coming here for Novak Djokovic, almost more as a friend than as a, as a believer in this guy yeah. and in his talent and in his, you know. Um, but still watching, getting getting text messages from Steffi Groff about how their kid is doing it. That's how I, that's how I get. I get very passionate and I'm very also very curious. And I love not knowing what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I think that's the best. I like storytelling. Yeah. I really do. I mean, from the time people needed to draw p cave paintings, yeah. you know, to build pyramid. Like some, tell me a good story. Tell me. And the best part about about sports is that you don't know how the story ends. And you can get all, you know, you can fig, you can try to figure it out, and then you don't, you still don't know what's going to happen. As a writer, also a storyteller, but slightly different from than you. Although you obviously do a lot of writing for just prepping TV things, and you have written stuff before tennis is the best for that i mean it's i think individual sports are easier to write and there's 128 different stories in each draw yeah and you yeah. never know which one's going to break out you can pick and especially the new york times thankfully gives me a lot of like yes wiggle room so i can say hey i'm going to go take the day off at the french open three years ago and spend the day at tamea Bachinsky's hotel That's and have right. her tell me all about her you know going to hotel management school That's and right. her relationship with her father and all yeah. those sorts of things and that and that's a great story that's more interesting to me than Oh, what you know? Downbreak point. This person served out wide and saved it, which is what the sport looks like on the outside. But to me, it's all those people who exactly put right. themselves in position to do that. Yes, yeah. and and tennis especially. You don't have to be a, a certain size. You don't no. have to be. You don't have to come from it. Like the fact that you can play it any way you want. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you want to stand the baseline? You want to serve? You want to use touch? You want to use power? You want to? You can. You can be five foot three. You can be Lauren Davis, or you could be you know, Tomic. And yeah. You, like the fact that you can be. It's it that to me it, it's such a it's such a great sport. Yeah. It's such a I like racket sports, and I like hitting pigs. <laughs> you know, I really do. I yeah. just I like I like I think it's a very pretty sport, and and you get to there's a lot of movement and it's fun. So. Speaking of racket sports, can yeah. I close with asking you? And I know you've talked about this before with us what? and other places. What? about your badminton connection. <laughs> My badminton rant? Your badminton rant, which is iconic from the Athens Olympics, I believe. <laughs> did you know that it was going to be as, as, as iconic as it no, has since I was well, you, did it filling, you did it before YouTube even time. was invented. Yeah. I, I can't believe that that, that thing still lives on. Um, Tell us the story about it. Bless YouTube. <laughs> exactly right. So Could you send I, me a photo of the, of the real the real people involved in this story? That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 Christopher Burr. <laughs> no, the fact that that's why I got on this ridiculous. I was, I was the host of a show during the Athens Games where we went, we bounced around from the late night sport show, to sport. Right? And this one, no, I think this was an afternoon show. So and so, I just kept kicking it out to equestrian. You never saw my. I wish this thing lived on YouTube. I did. I did it. Horsey passport. I don't think I've ever told you about Horsey Passport. I don't know. Because I'm reading the guidebook. Now, you know, you, you dive into all these sports that you're, not that I have to be an expert, I'm certainly not, but I'm reading it, and it, in, in, the, in the Olympic guidebook for equestrian, it says the horses are listed under equipment, and I'm horrified as an animal lover. Mm -hmm. So I got, got into this thing where I said, I, I read that thing, we showed it, and I said, equipment? If you're a piece of equipment, do you need one of these? <laughs> And I dramatically showed a horsey passport. And it was a picture of the horse, like in, on his like side view, and it's markings on his nose and his teeth. And I'm thinking, so anyway, you missed, well, that was the same Athens Olympics. I don't know why, I don't know why they continue to hire me at NBC. I do the most ridiculous stuff on their air. But so the badminton rant, we were going to throw out to badminton. And we had a little bit of time. So originally I was just going to show how the difference between how we play badminton at home with the goofy, you know, equipment you buy at Kmart 
and what the pros use. A beautiful piece of, a beautiful racket. An yeah, amazing the delicate shuttlecock. The shuttlecock with, yeah. with the goose feathers. All and left side of the goose. They're all the left side of the, like, so that was supposed to be it. I, and then I was just gonna basically kick it out and get hit. And somehow it devolved into this ridiculous, I start explaining what, you know, badminton's like in my house. And all the people, like how, you know, we lose stuff up in the tree and then people are throwing stuff at hockey sticks at the tree. It went on and on. It was ridiculous. And <laughs> it finally ended. And, and I'm mentioning names. Of, I mean, mm-hmm. I did not exaggerate. You did not, <laughs> you did not protect re- the innocent. In I did not, <laughs> I'm naming names, you know. And, and the funny thing is, uh, at the last Olympics, somebody ended up making T-shirts because I say, and Christopher Burr, because it's always Christopher Burr. He was my next-door neighbor kid who was always <laughs> setting people on fire. And, and at the last Olympics, somebody was selling T-shirts that says, it's always Christopher Burr. That's like, amazing. That That's became a thing. That's got to be a catch. That's so anyway, so I, we, I, finally I'm done with this ridiculous rant. And it was really a rant about motherhood more than badminton. <laughs> but my poor producer, God bless him, Bill Coons, he, walked, he got out of the studio. He walked over to me. And I'll clean it up a little bit. But he said, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, what the hell? Where did that come from? Because it wasn't a prompter. It wasn't on anything. So anyway, yes. So that, yeah, that lives on. It's probably going to live on on this podcast. We're probably going to have to splice the whole thing in. Yeah, no, we're, we can close. Our outro song will just be the badminton rant. It's but uh, it, it, it's wonderful. Okay. And th- it th- thank you for continuing. As I've said about, I've, I fret with this generation. There's not enough troublemakers. <laughs> you have always been a troublemaker in the best ways. Oh, not, that's not, very common. Not, not, you know, nothing problematic, <laughs> just sort of keeping things entertaining, keeping us on our and toes, keeping, yeah, and keeping, keeping us, people in track. Keeping people honest. Yeah, yeah. Asking I think that's, you know, yeah. yeah, I think that's important. I think it's part of the job, right? Yeah, of course. You know? Because you're, you're representing the voice of everybody at home. You, you're the one who gets to sort of speak and gets to interview people. <laughs> you're, the, you're the conduit, and you do a lot of... Uh, Tremendous work with that. So thank you for it's a pleasure. your many years um, of service. Number two hundred. Number two. So what? I don't come back now to episode no, four hundred. Is no, that no, how this goes? Probably so. six hundred. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna live for a while, which honestly is really probably coming up in a couple of months, given our our, our numbering system. I thought I thought about skipping this ahead and just going right from like two hundred, maybe. Dude, this will, I think, this numbering literal... system of yours, it's like dog ears. It's like, yeah. all right, we're up to episode. But it's slower. I mean, it so... shows our complete lack of planning <laughs> that we don't even know. It's like, well, I mean, 200's coming up, but we don't have anything planned. So let's I, just when, make it up. And just when I, it when I edit the episodes, I do find out what number it actually is to put it as the track number for mm. the podcast. So oh. I do know we are in the 250s right now. It's like 254, 255. It's a 250. It's a 250. It's a 250. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a small, exactly. it's a sort of so post-op level like tournament. Thousand. I want to be the highest You want to be the Masters. I want, yeah. And then finally, yeah. a slam. We'll see. Premier Master. I want to be a Premier Master. There you go. <laughs> premier, you've always been a Premier Mandatory in our lives. <laughs> okay. And with well, that, Mary, thank you very much. Enjoy the Open. We'll uh, hope, maybe catch up too. with you here if you want to have to come back for 201, if that's I'm, not too like a prime number for you. 200 will be 200J, knowing you. Exactly. Exactly. 201J. All right, Book fine. it. Thanks, right. Mary. Sure. Thanks, Mary. Sure. <laughs> We've all played badminton, and it seems like the rules are fairly easy to understand. I think there's a big difference, though, in the equipment that these guys use and the ones we use at home. This is a typical racket that you can buy. And it all comes as part of a set. You get the net, you get a couple of rackets, you get some birdies, right? And this is an okay racket, but compare it with this one. This one, this one is cost about 75 bucks, but it can run you up to about $200, okay? And it's a little bit bigger than the kind that we might goof around with in the backyard. Listen to the difference in tension, though. This is, this is the one that we play with. This is the one the bad boys of badminton play with. So obviously, they're going to be able to hit the ball a little bit harder. It's a much more precise piece of equipment. But here's where the big change is. This is the shuttlecock that's used at the Olympics. And maybe you've been hearing Bill Clement describe this thing. 16 goose feathers. I mean, this is a beautiful piece of equipment, but it's... It's fragile, but it's also very strong, all from the left side of the goose. I'm not making this up, so that the contours of the feathers are all the same, and it gives a uniform ride. This thing can go up to 200 miles an hour. You cannot tell me that the birdie we use at home, this thing, you can lean on this as hard as you want. This thing isn't going 200 miles an hour. It's not. And even though it doesn't look sophisticated, it has a tree-seeking device implanted in it somewhere. I don't know where, but I've played a lot of badminton with my kids. By the seventh shot, this thing's up in the tree, okay? So then what does your kid do? She says, Mommy, I'll get it down. Throws a racket up in the tree. Now your racket's up in the tree. She says, don't worry, I'll get that down. 
So now your kid goes into the garage and goes and gets the red rubber ball, which should come as standard equipment in any kind of backyard badminton set. Throws that in, that immediately gets impaled. So she goes to get something else to get, the to, to get one of these things down, okay? Now there are kids from all over the neighborhood that have come into your backyard, and they're emptying out your garage, throwing stuff at your tree, all right? You realize suddenly you own 18 basketballs. You've got nine footballs, okay? There's softballs flying through the air. The tree is now groaning with children and equipment, all right? Someone's turned on the hose. Badminton is a water sport. They're trying to get the, this thing down with a hose. And somehow, mothers from all over the neighborhood hear that badminton is being played at Mary's house. They're dropping off their kids. They know it's an all-day affair. They know it's going to involve 17 other sports. They're dropping off their kids. They're leaving skid marks, okay? You've got Colleen Clark up in the tree trying to get down a SpongeBob SquarePants beach ball with a hockey stick, okay? There's pool sticks flying through the air like javelins, and you hear yourself saying, somebody's going to poke an eye out. It just never ends. It's a what everything is going on, right? Then you see Christopher Burr, and it's always Christopher Burr. He takes a rollerblade, throws it up at the tree, hits your car, you got a dent in your Jeep. You realize you better get your Jeep out of the way, and you also realize that for the first time in seven years, you can actually pull your car into the garage because there's no sporting equipment there anymore. Not even the inflatable raft that hasn't seen action since the baby duck rescue of 1997. You pull your car into the garage, and as you do, your other kid is coming out. He's on the phone with R.T. Murphy. He sizes up the situation and says, hey, come on over. We're playing badminton. That is a sport that I know, and that's probably a sport that you know as well. Olympic badminton is coming back after this.